What's it like being adopted? And what are some of the challenges that may come with it? That's the subject today, and oh, I'm the guest. Hi, it's Cheryl Sitz. Welcome back to Exploring Possibilities, where show creator producer Mario Rosales is interviewing me today. Thank you, Mario. Well, hello. Thank you. It feels <laughs> weird not being behind the scenes here and doing all the video stuff or audio stuff. Uh, I'm going to be the interviewer. That's different. You are, and I appreciate it. And you might be listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We're all over the place now in audio format, which is exciting after almost 300 episodes. But we are also in video on youtube.com slash Cheryl Sitz. So if you'd rather watch this interview, check us out there. One thing about going to the YouTube feed is if you have questions you want to post afterwards, I will definitely come back and address those or anything you'd like to know more about. So please go there with your comments and be a part of this conversation. Throughout these shows, I'm always talking about Mario Rosales' incredible technology skills, helping me launch the podcast, my website, my YouTube channel, and he can still help you with all those things. But for five years now, he's been working on a special project, and now he's finally ready to launch it. And I'm excited for him to tell you about it because they're absolutely beautiful. Tell us. Well, what I have come up with, I call it astrofractals, and that's astro, A-S-T-R-O, like astrology. And why is it an astrofractal? It's very simple because it uses your birth date, your birth time, and your numerology of your name. With that, I put it into this formula that I've worked on for for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and it creates a fractal and it colors it and it gives you this beautiful portrait of you. And at first when I got it, it's like, what was it? What's it for? Well, if you meditate in front of it, take it to a ceremony, or if you just want to look at it like a piece of art, it's beautiful. You can look at it at my website at Astro, A-S-T-R-O, Fractals, F-R-A-C-T-A-L-S astrofractals.com, and that'll take you directly to my website. The base package is a digital picture of it, and then I have options that go higher in price for different types of things, 8x10s, tapestries, I mean, you name it, it's whatever you want. And they are beautiful, astrofractals.com. Way to go, Mario, I love it. Thank you, and I'm looking forward to seeing what everybody's fractal looks like. And you even have famous people on there, so check them out, astrofractals.com. Mario, I'm turning it over to you. Well, okay, I'll go ahead and get started. <laughs> I'm not used to being in this side of the the thing, so uh, bear with me as I uh, practice and continue on through here. Cause it's, You're uh, a natural at this. You interview everybody <laughs> you meet, so... <laughs> so one of the things that uh, Cheryl and I uh, talked about a lot is uh, I don't know if how many people, the listeners actually know that you're adopted. I and, am. And uh, with, with that, it's like, I know when I found out that you were adopted, I had tons of questions. Like and what? Maybe they did too. <laughs> you were very open. And so I do appreciate about that. And I know uh, through the whole journey that you've been going through the healing process, You've learned a lot about how adoption has changed you in so many ways throughout your life. And now that you're moving through your healing process, you're learning how it has affected your life. Yeah. And, and uh, what, what Cheryl decided to do, she says, you know what? It's like, I've been interviewing all these people and 
I've never really talked about myself. So here we go. Uh, we're going to talk about your adoption, which is one of many things that you know, that you do <laughs> or have, I mean, in your lifetime. Nothing like starting with the deepest subject, right? <laughs> you know, the the biggest thing with me, it's like with adoption, is I come from a big family, you know, a Mexican family. So we have like a whole bunch of family members. So I'm used to that. And first time I met you and we started talking and then you said that you were adopted. I was wondering, it's like, wow, what's that like? And I mean, to me, family just comes normal to me. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, I have a mom. I have my dad. And being adopted, how was that experience? I mean, what what was it like uh, being adopted? Because I mean, I know it's probably kind of normal to you, but for me, it's like, it's normal for me to have a family. So for you, it's like, you're always an adopted. I don't know if I make sense on that question, but <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah. And I know this journey is unique for each person. So of course I can only speak to my experience and people end up adopted for a lot of reasons, both from the the birth family side and the adopted family side. So I never really knew why I was given up for adoption. I was given up at birth to the state of California and my records were sealed. And then I was adopted at five months by this family that I knew my mother wasn't able to have her own children. So for her to be able to adopt a baby was a really nice option for her. So I knew I was really wanted and really loved by this family that adopted me. And they always were open about, you know, when I was like five or six and we were at the Galleria in the Houston area and we were watching the ice skaters and there was a pregnant woman standing next to us. And I pulled on my mom and I said, she's fat. And mom said, no, she's not fat. There's a baby in there. And I, I just remember asking, pointing at her stomach and saying, so I was in there? And she said, no, you weren't. We had to go find you. And so she always, at the age that I could understand, let me know that I wasn't her birth child, but that she really wanted me and that she really loved me. So I felt loved and wanted, which is more than some kids feel, but then also this other thing of, but where did I really come from and why didn't they want me and why didn't they keep me? And um, so it was a kind of weird experience. So to add to that, I, I do have another question about that is, so did you feel different from the other kids when uh, knowing that they weren't adopted or did you even, were you aware of all of that or how, how was that? Always aware of it always aware of it. It seems like more than people realize they talk about how they look like their relatives or there's just always some conversation that ties them together in a way deeper than I was tied. Although, does it get any deeper than love? In one sense, I was so loved and so wanted, but in another sense, I didn't have anybody else's nose or mouth or eyes, or I would look at my adopted family. And I know they do through the state anyway, at one time they did their best to match you with the characteristics of your adopted family, but it just didn't work. I would look at them and I wouldn't see myself. And, and I have to admit, kids can be kind of manipulative in general, you know, with the parents. And I certainly mm -hmm. was. So 
there were a few times I threw it in my mom's face when we were arguing or whatever, or I was unhappy and, well, I, I'm not your child anyway, or you're not my mother. And after I saw how badly that hurt her, I never said that again. So I always knew it around other kids, around my family. Yeah, it was just kind of, it's hard to describe. I was, I was wanted and loved and yet wondering where I came from. So that must have been, uh, what's the word? I guess a challenge. I mean, to go through your entire life like that. I mean, because your parents passed away pretty, pretty young. My adopted parents. Yes. Your adopted parents. Correct. Well, you pretty young, relatively. I was just married when my mom died. Before I got married, mm-hmm. my dad died. And then I was just married when my mom died. So some people lose their parents even younger, but I wasn't ready for them to be gone yet. I don't think anybody's ever that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't think that's part of any adoption thing. But so that, so that it made you feel weird. It's like, here you are, your parents passed and you don't have any bloodline relatives. What about your rest of your family? Did, how, how did you feel about them? That's could when you- I really felt adopted. Hmm. My parents, my dad could have children and had three children before in a previous marriage. So I had half siblings that I've had a fairly close relationship with a couple of them that has fallen away and then a not close relationship with the other, didn't really know the sister. But once my parents were gone, so was everybody else. It was like they were all just, my parents were the glue that was holding our little pseudo family together. And when they were gone, there's been very little ownership of me as part of the family by most of the family. And so at the time I was married and I had stepchildren. And so I was really, I plugged myself wholeheartedly into that because I really Mm. felt alone. And then when that didn't work either, and I went into my healing journey, that's, that was my first clue that there was a lot more to this adoption thing than I thought. I thought I was okay with being adopted. I thought I was okay with not knowing. I didn't realize how it affected my life. So I'm really curious about that. How (laughs) did it affect your life? I mean, what uh, obviously, spirituality or your faith or whatever name you want to put on it, whatever label, how was that? Were you more in faith because living in the unknown of who your original parents were? Or how, how'd that work? That's a really good question. I grew up in a rough part of Houston. So my mom was very scared for my safety to go to any of the schools in our area. So they put me in private schools, which they could not afford. They lived very hard to do that, to give me a good education. So I don't know. I just, I don't even know where I was going with that. I forgot what the question was. This is really emotional for me. So bear with me. I don't have it together like I usually do when I'm interviewing everybody else. It's okay. I'm putting you in the hot seat now. So now you know how your your guests are feeling when you're on here. So So what was your question again, please? Faith. 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 How did, was it that you had more faith because you were adopted or how did that affect your spiritual uh, uh, aspects of your life? Okay, thank you. I forgot why I went where I went with the conversation. So those (laughs) private schools were mostly Christian schools, because that's Mm -hmm. what was available in the area. And so I just was, I was all about that. I mean, from kindergarten through the seventh grade, I went to Lutheran schools, I was about to be a confirmed Lutheran. 
And then there was a lot of trauma in my adopted family as well. Loving families aren't always healthy families. So when trauma happened and they didn't deal with it very well, I started acting out really bad in school. Mm. And I got kicked out of school and, and they kicked me out of the church because it was the pastor's wife that was also my teacher. So I lost what I had really leaned on from being a little girl mm. in terms of, and it, and it was all jumbled together, right? Because God and Jesus didn't reject me, but the church and the school did, man's version of it did, and I couldn't unpack the two. And so I have a deep faith. I've always had a deep faith, which has evolved over time into something much greater than I understood it when I was small. I don't know if it was more because I was adopted or not, but it's also been a very rocky road for me. <laughs> and obviously you had questions about your life and, um, and I'll share a little bit. You actually did try and find your family, right? But your records were sealed or, or I, I, I'm, I can't, I, I'm not sure if I'm using the right words yes. for it. Yes, I did look. Well, I didn't look when my mom was alive because it really was a deep wound for her that she couldn't have children. And I found out later it was because of sexual trauma like I experienced in the family lines that I was adopted mm -hmm. by. So it really was hard for her to not be able to have a child of her own. So for me to bring up anything about being adopted, that broke her heart. She'd lay in bed and cry. And I I did it a couple of times to hurt her and then even I'm not that bad, right? I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. So I never brought it up again. I felt like I was betraying her to be curious about my family, but who isn't? So yeah. after she passed, I really started to look and I found they called themselves adoption angels that research and help you find your family. And there was only two babies born where I was born on the day I was born. And one of those had two siblings. And I found a letter after my mom passed away that the adoption agency through California had given to her that explained my mother's description a little bit, my father's description a little bit, and that there were two siblings. And the siblings' ages matched the ages of the siblings in that family of the unnamed baby. So that is my mother. So I was able to look for her through the records only to find out she had passed away before I got out of high school. Hmm. So another disappointment, right? Like wherever mm. I look for mommy, mommy isn't there. <laughs> it, my adopted mother, as much as she loved me because she had all that trauma from her own childhood that she hadn't dealt with, she really didn't have a lot of love and nurturing to give. She loved me with all her heart, but she didn't know how to be there for me because she hadn't really taken care of her own stuff, if that makes mm. sense. So there was always this desperation for love and acceptance that I just didn't ever seem to find. And then to look for my mother and find out she was gone was a lot. Yeah, that probably added a whole nother la layer of complexity to your faith of life and everything. Yeah. And I mean, I really am grateful for the plant medicine, for what I was able to learn in ceremony and how I was able to open up my psychic abilities to be able to channel and connect with her, to open up a lot of things. The plant medicine really brought me healing around the trauma in my adopted family and in my ability to connect with my birth family, but not just plant medicine. I've done some other things. I was hypnotized and I've had some other things looking for answers about my birth family. And what, uh, how was that experience of you? I remember you said something that you did a rebirthing 
and then you did hypnosis also. How how did those help? I mean, did they connect some dots for you or did they just bring you some peace or because I mean, you, always wondering about how your former parents like for me, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin because I've always had my mom and dad, uh, even though they're they're divorced, but you know, they're still here and I can actually look at them and see them. So it made when you told me that you were adopted, it really made me appreciate, you know, me having family, even though they're separated, but at least, you know, I, I have some, some connection, some bloodline connection, which I can't even imagine what it feels like on your side. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, it's just normal, right? But sometimes I still wonder why I don't get to know these things. So mm -hmm. I wanted to be hypnotized because I thought I'd be able to see my mother. Mm -hmm. So I went back through hypnosis with a local practitioner that I had become friends with. And they carried me away from my mother facing the other way. They took me at birth out of the room because that's, I guess, the way they did it then. So I go through this whole hypnosis process only to get my heart broken because I can't see my mom mm. because they never let me look at her and probably because it would have been just as hard for her. But I didn't really think about that. I was just disappointed and frustrated I couldn't see my mom. So then I did, I guess it was several years later, I went through another practitioner when she was announcing a rebirthing ceremony. I thought that'll be interesting. I had been doing some work around my adopted mother and silly me, I didn't think about the fact that this is going to be birth stuff. This is going to be my real family, my birth family, not my adopted family. Mm -hmm. I don't like that language, real family. Family is formed by love or genetics or both. So they were both my real families. But I get in the ceremony, and I'm like, oh my God, people are talking about, oh, well, I remember stories about this and my aunt told me about that. And I was the only one in this Zoom circle because this was during the pandemic that didn't have any stories any information and i realized this is going to be about a family i know nothing about so i actually wow. opened the microphone and said can i even do this and she said you'll be fine she was very good at this ceremony and so i just closed my eyes and trusted because i had no other choice i'd already paid for the thing i'm going to go through it i'm so glad i was in my own house i'm glad it was the mm -hmm. pandemic i could do this from home I laid down on the couch. We turned the cameras off for the quiet time through the meditation. And, and it's true, as she would come upon points during the nine months before I was born and ask questions, like when she asked about, was my mother feeling supported by my father? Immediately, my whole body tensed up. So I know there was tension there. And she said, how does your father feel about you? And I got really anxious and tight in my body. It's amazing that our body holds this information. So that really got me into studying somatics, but more about that another time. So I could feel my father and his angst. And then she asked, you know, how's your mother feeling about you? And I could feel the mixed emotions of my mom. She loved me so much. She took such good care of me while she was pregnant with me, but apparently knew that this was not going to go well. She was going to have to give me up. And then in the rebirthing ceremony itself, at the moment that I was born, there's this excitement, I'm coming into the world, I'm so excited to be here, I'm so excited to be here. And then they separated us, they cut us apart, and they took me away. And so I was in the room with my mother, long enough for us to break each other's hearts, mm. and both cry, and that was the end of it. 
And that just was overwhelming for me. I'm emotional now because it's, it's a lot. How, how could she? She didn't want to give me away, but she did it with that much love. And I understood why I had always been so paranoid about birth control and I can't get pregnant if I'm not ready because I don't think I can give the baby up and I know I can't keep it. And I'm carrying in myself all the feelings my mother had when she was carrying me. So it was really powerful to have that experience. And I want to facilitate those that that ceremony for others. I want to be trained in that. So that's something I'm looking forward to doing. Yeah, well, it's you're talking about something very powerful. It's like that we're studying the epigenetics mm-hmm. part of it. It's like you're you're getting the genetics from your your mom, your your parental uh, parental mom, I guess would be the name. Mm-hmm, my <laughs> birth mom, your, yeah. Your, your birth mom and your birth dad, even though you you don't know that much about your birth dad either. So that that can be a very powerful experience. I can only imagine the the feeling of connection that you had and it disappeared. So that must have been very powerful emotions in every aspect of it. It's interesting that you use that word. That was perfect. When you said, and then it disappeared, I went, no, it didn't. That wasn't the feeling. It wasn't a disappearing. It was a, a pulling away. And I wanted to reach for her and she wanted to reach for me. And I think that's why I so much wanted to do this show today, because mm. that reaching for love is something I've been doing unconsciously my whole life, reaching to be good enough, reaching to be accepted, reaching for somebody to reach back, reaching in all the wrong places often, but trying to, to be good enough, trying to be worth enough, trying to be whatever that feeling was that I had in that moment, I've been trying to heal that feeling my whole life in my relationships, in my perfectionism, in my overachiever, in my career. And I wanted to be the best, the best everything so that everybody would love me because I I had that spot in me. And I think to some degree, my faith fills that, that, Mm -hmm. that wanting to be good enough. I know that I was created so and i'm here so i am good enough i know that intellectually but it's another thing when your body feels different like you were saying the epigenetics my body carries a different set of information than i know to be true yeah one of the things that i i get as you're talking it's like the so having come from a big family and in our family it's you know even people that are uh that are accidentally birthed, let's say that. Right, unplanned. (laughs) Unplanned. And the family's always there. So I think for for me, which you helped me learn a lot about this, is that we we sometimes can't, and I'm talking about myself, but I'm sure I'm not the only one feeling weird, like uh, how can somebody let go of their baby? But... uh, the way you explain it is beautiful because you're you're showing like it's an act of compassion, an act of love by the birth mother because she knows she's not responsible. And obviously she didn't want to abort you uh, or go through that process. What, whatever anybody feels about that, it doesn't really matter. I'm talking about the bond that 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 creates. So it's it, I guess. What would you tell people that 
or going, it's like, well, why would your mom adopt you? Or, or, I mean, why would your mom let you go like that? Doesn't she love you? What I know I said a little bit things, but I want to hear what you, what you would say to that. Of course, every situation is different. I feel like I have to keep saying that because I can only speak mm -hmm. to my own experience, but every experience I've had of reaching back through meditation, through ceremonies, through anything where I could reach back in time and connect with her there or reach out to her here. I've never been met with anything less than intense love. Some regret. I can't even imagine what that would be like. I don't know if I could do it, but I would have to do it because I know I couldn't do anything else. Being adopted, mm -hmm. I've never felt like abortion was a possibility for me, not because I'm judgmental about it, not because of any religious rules, not because of any of that, but because I don't think I could do it because I wouldn't be here if my mother had. And what I know about my mother, my parents, my mother was with one man, I believe, throughout her adult years. When she died, she was still married to him. He is the father of my siblings, and his description does not match my birth father's description on the paperwork. I don't know if they split up for a while and there was another relationship. I don't know if there was an affair. I may never know what happened. So that would explain some of the, the angst and the trauma, but I think it was an act of the greatest love that she gave me life. And really, when I wanted to find her, it was always to thank her for that, because somewhere I knew that that had to be the hardest thing she ever did. And I wanted her to know I turned out okay. Well, I'm a little crazy, but <laughs> I wanted her to know I'm okay. And thank you. I'm healthy. and I'm happy. And it's because of you. And I, I've only ever wanted to thank her and to look at her face and hopefully see some of my features. I have to admit, I found one of my siblings pictures on social media. And that was just the biggest wow for me to see my nose and to see the way my eyes are on somebody else's face and to see the curves around my mouth and the cheeks and the jawline and 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 i shared one of them with you and you said there's mm -hmm. your nose i was like that is yeah. my nose so i think there's a lot of power in that more than i would have guessed just to see my own features looking back at me on another face even if i don't have a relationship with them we're still related yeah, it's that connection, because no matter what anybody says, I mean, our bodies connect energetically some way, even if it's through the Internet, even if it's through this video platform, there is a connection that we as humans just naturally have. And I mean, just having that knowing once we see that feature, once we can relate to that, I, I, I can feel the power in some of that. And to be able to connect that that level to me is a lot more powerful sometimes than the physical aspect of it, because that gives you such a faith of you, of me in your case about you. It's like, but it's out of that. Did you get any ahas out of that? Or did you like connect the dots once you, I mean, because it had to have opened up some other channels to you seeing, Oh, there it is. It's like my physical features. Did that open up anything else? I felt my body relax in a way it hadn't before. I, something inside mm -hmm. of me that's been 
tense my whole life relaxed. It's like, oh, there it is. <laughs> I, I don't know why it mattered to me, but it mattered to me. But I would have never made a big deal out of it because it sounds so trivial. I want to know where my nose and eyes and elbows came from, and I want to see somebody that looks like me. I've, I've had a great life. So on one hand, I can understand how anybody adopted might feel like this stuff isn't that important, it, where I got my nose or whatever. And if it's important to us, it's important and it's worth looking into a little bit. But I think the biggest aha I've had in the last 10 years that I've really done my inner work and done ceremonies and done, you know, more holistic practices and psychic connections and all that stuff. I never realized all the areas of my life that I struggled in could boil down to a break in the bond with my birth mother the way that they have until we were in epigenetics training and we're studying that with Mark Wolin and I've interviewed him. So you can check that podcast out. See that the host never goes to sleep here. <laughs> anyway, when he was talking about the breaking the bond with the mother and how significant it is, it's, it's anything where your mom wasn't available for you at a very early age. And of course being adopted, it's breaking the bond immediately. And he started to say all of the ways that can show up in our lives. And I was like, I've got that one and that one and that one and that one and that one. And it's like, wow, there's, there's actually a unifying theme to all the healing threads of my life. And it tracks all the way back to not connecting with my birth mother. That's profound to me. That made me want to become a practitioner of this. And I am. That makes me want to work with adoptees if if they want help with that because to think that our money issues and our romantic issues and all of these things can boil back to something and i had a really good situation there was some sexual trauma but it wasn't it wasn't horrific it wasn't great but it wasn't horrific i i was loved we didn't have a lot of money we had some sexual abuse genetically in those lines but I was so loved and I didn't have a bad childhood. I had a great education. I had loving relatives. I had plenty of everything I ever needed. So if I had all of that and I can see the challenges that I've had, I can only imagine what some other people cope with. And I've had a few reach out to me about being adopted. There's just all kinds of stories out there. And if I can help, I want to. Yeah, and that's I know this is why you wanted to do this is you've been going through a long process of healing through all of this. And I know you wanted to do a specific podcast just about adoption. I do want to ask you this question. You know, you talked about breaking the bond and in the epigenetics and that kind of thing. You said there's some issues that you see immediately coming connecting because you were adopted, but you didn't mention any. Can you like put the top three up there? Because you know, maybe somebody that's adopted is listening to this and are going and they're going it's like, I don't what what kind of issues would I be experiencing? Sure, that's a fair question. I have a lot of trouble loving myself. And I know that sounds really cheesy, airy fairy. So let mm -hmm. me explain. Um, believing that I deserve a certain kind of relationship, a certain amount of of affluence, a certain degree of these things. You know, I, I built the American dream, but but no matter how successful I was in building all of that, it there was something missing. There was something that just wasn't right with me. I just didn't believe I deserved it. And 
I thought that was because of some of the traumas that had happened to me in my adopted family. And possibly that was a bit of it. But the idea that everyone that has a break in the bond has all of those issues, they have trouble speaking up for themselves, which you wouldn't imagine I have that problem. But <laughs> in, the, in the most intimate moments, I would lose my voice. I couldn't speak my truth. Um, money issues, no matter how much I made it, it seemed to go away. I just couldn't, I was great at living in debt, not so good at living in abundance. And then when abundance started to come, I would push it away. I would sabotage it. Like I, I'm just, I was really good at not taking care of me and taking care of everybody else. And I think that's a pretty mutual threat. Every adoptee I've met can relate to that. So maybe I'm just attracting more me's, who knows, but, <laughs> but if it's a thing for you, and I just had a client this morning and that was the main thread of our conversation. She's adopted. And the main thing we talked about is it's important to love that little child, that little girl inside that didn't have mom when she needed mom or the mom that she did have wasn't able to meet her needs. That little child needs to know that we love them. And that's how we learn how to love ourselves. We, in essence, become our own best mother. Hmm. So do you feel like uh, you don't love yourself because of something of being adopted? You don't understand that connection. Is that what you're saying? I, I guess I'm trying to understand that part of not loving yourself. How, how does a, the adoptions create that? Well, even though I know that my mother loved me enough to give me up, mm -hmm. that didn't make baby Cheryl crying for her mommy feel any better. Mm, I see. That there is that child inside of each one of us that cried for a mommy that wasn't there anymore. And even if 50 other mommies picked us up, we know the difference between the mommy whose heartbeat we heard for nine months in the womb. We know the difference. We know who our mother is and where did she go? What's wrong with me? Why did she leave me? Where's my mommy? I mean, I know it sounds like psychology or something. It sounds analytical to say that, but it's really what we feel. We are all a little child inside. And the very core relationship on which we build our understanding of love and acceptance and self-worth is what we got from our mother in those first couple of years. They're important. And I got a lot of love and nurturing, but it wasn't from my mother. I never saw her again. So there's some part of me that's like, where's my mommy? Why wasn't I, why didn't she, why didn't she ever come back for me? You're definitely talking about the energetic bond of love. You know, we, we use, we throw this in, in this field of uh, self-help self or whatever. We throw those words around love and, oh, you got to love yourself. You got to love, uh, love everybody around you. You got to love them with all their warts and all. But we never get to the core definition about the love energetics of it. And I think you pointed out very powerful how that bond with the birth mother creates that bond. And that's probably what you were feeling. Uh, the way you were describing it is probably what you were feeling. I mean, that we're all connected, right? And being, we lose that connection, even though you, you still have it energetically, that physical connection is still missing there. And I can see now that you're explaining it that way, it, it makes a lot of sense. Because I would feel weird if, if I didn't have that connection with my mother, like even with my dad, 
Uh, we we don't talk much, but I still love him as a dad. Uh, we just don't have that physical connection as much, but I still know that I have one that here that I can actually go and see and talk to. So I, I can understand that bond. So thank you for clarifying that. That that's that's a good answer. <laughs> well, thank you for asking. And you know, it's true. We can I remember people telling me things like you can't love anybody more than you love yourself. And Cheryl, mm -hmm. you gotta love yourself. And I remember looking at a couple of people going, I have no idea what that means. Like, how in the world do I even do that? I think I asked you that a couple of times yeah. when you were saying, well, you need some more self-love. Self-love, we it's really become a catchphrase now. Yeah. Everybody's all about the self-love, self-care. And ironically, I am too, but I actually understand how to take it from, I have no idea what that is. And for me, the first steps that were the most powerful were those. Finding mm -hmm. that little girl inside that felt left at one day old and all the way up and you know it was interesting because in doing the work i also realized so my adopted mother was just she doted all over me she just loved me she was such a good mom and then when we were when i was five we moved back to texas and we moved into her childhood home with her i never knew abusive father my grandfather he wasn't alive for very long afterwards, but it was like somebody turned the lights out on my mother. Mm. I never saw the woman that I knew the, the first five years of my life again. She was uh, living in that house almost killed her. I mean, she went through two bouts of severe cancer and we know in this field that the body manifests what's unhealed. She had so much unhealed trauma and went back to her childhood home that she had run away and eloped to get away from. Wow. And so it, it, it all needs to be healed. And my point was I've broken a bond with two mothers because when we moved back here, she became so emotionally unavailable that she couldn't nurture me anymore either. She met all my needs, doctor every year, check, dentist every year, check, good education, check, made my clothes. She took good care of me, but she couldn't emotionally nurture me. And there's a big difference there. So I had, I lost my birth mother and then I had some really juicy nurturing and then I lost that mother. And my story is one of the better stories that I've heard. There's all kinds of stuff that happens to adoptees. When we start looking for love and acceptance outside of ourselves, we can find ourselves in all kinds of messes. And I really wanted to do this show to make sure anyone adopted listening knows as Mark Wolin called his book, it didn't start with you. And there is another way. There is a way through. There is a way out. There is a better life. Now I know I deserve a good man. And he's on the show with me. <laughs> now I know I deserve a good life. I'm still working through my own layers. I'm not going to say I've, I've got it all worked out, but I am not the woman I was 10 years ago. And I do take care of myself and I do love myself. And I know what that means now. And I want you to know what that means now. Very powerful message here. And you you touched on again the the energetics of it and the physical part of it. Your your adopted mother, I think that's the uh, that's the way I would label her. Okay. Your adopted your adopted mother gave you everything that you need, but you still didn't have that energetic love from her when you guys moved down here. She might have had it in California, but then you 
you it's like you got readopted again. It's like you got taken from from your from mom another again. mother. Yeah. That's so true. And I realized that during our training together, and I was like, oh my god, that's what <laughs> happened. It's true. We all need more than love and medical care and education and goal setting and blah, blah, blah. We need unconditional love and nurturing. It's, it's, we need it. We deserve it. And if we didn't get it, we go looking for it in the darndest places. And so for the, as we start to wrap up, I want, I want you to define one thing that we always hear, like you just said, unconditional love as an adopted person. What does unconditional, I know what unconditional love means to me as an adopted person for you. What does unconditional love mean? I am enough because I am here. I have value because I'm here. I'm loved because I'm me not because of what I do or don't do. And I love you because you're you, not because of what you do or don't do. That was, that was an idea for me for a long time. And now it's something I'm learning experientially and it's really incredible. And it doesn't come from finding the right guy. No offense. Mm, no offense. It, that helped. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from, deciding that I deserve to give it to myself and that it isn't selfish. That's self-love. Unconditional love starts with the self. I'm okay, warts and all. In fact, I'm great. <laughs> you are. <laughs> and so are you. Well, thank you, Cheryl, for being so open. I can only imagine the, the tension that you felt through all of this, but I'm very appreciative that you allowed me the honor to ask you these questions. Even though uh, I asked some questions, I went a little bit deeper than I usually do. So thank you for being so open and uh, thank, thank you everybody for listening. And Cheryl, it's like, it is your show still. So <laughs> I'll let you do the sign off and everything. And here I am. Uh, I just enjoyed it. And I hope other people that are adopted out there are listening to this and see the strength that you've become the woman that you are now because of all the inner work that you've gone gone through. Because I've been right there with you and sometimes not with you, but I've been through most of it. And it's it's been a powerful thing that you've been through. So thank you for your bravery. Thank you. You've enriched the journey for me so much. And I think the perfect way to wrap this up is to thank all the mothers that have taken me in and loved me in their own ways for five minutes, five days, five years, five decades. Thank you, especially to my adopted mother and to my birth mother, my natural mother and father. This show is really about mothers and daughters, even though it's also got fathers in there because we wouldn't be here without them. But there is such a thing about the bond of the mother. It's, it's really, that's what this show's about. So if I can help you, if you're adopted and there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. Also, all of the practices that I've been studying in breath work and epigenetics and everything else, Mario's been studying right there with me. So if you're a man and you'd prefer to work with Mario, he can offer you all the same services I can. We're here for you. So let us know if there's something we can do for you on your journey. And we'll wrap up another episode. See you next time on Exploring and Possibility. Oh, wait. And where can they find all this information? 
journeyofpossibilities.com. Oh, okay. (laughs) See you next time on Exploring Possibilities. Goodbye. Thank you, Mario.